Okay, hello and uh, welcome to this week's TES podcast. I'm Martin George. I'm joined by Will Stewart. Hi, Will. Hello. And Helen Ward. Hi, Helen. Hi. So this is a, another week where um, school funding has been in the news and not in a particularly good way. Um, Helen, you've had an exclusive investigation which has really shown how desperate things seem to be and, and how councils are having to take some pretty desperate um, action. Yes, so um, councils get their funding for schools or um, through in, in different blocks and they're allowed to transfer a small, a certain amount between these blocks. One is for schools, one is for high needs, which are the children with kind of additional special educational needs, the children outside the mainstream in the special schools. And um, we found that although they can transfer a little bit, if they want to transfer um, over 0.5% of their school's funds or um, if they want to transfer without their school's form approval any amount, they have to go to the DfE. And 20 councils, we found before Christmas, had gone to um, the DfE to ask for this. this is, so this is kind of showing that these councils have not got the approval of their um, schools to transfer this money but still need to go. And I think the schools understand the pressure that the, the, the councils are under in having to fund to high needs. Um, but... You, you know they need the money as well there's only so much money to go around and the government to be fair they they you know just before christmas themselves they did increase the amount of money going into the high needs block um but uh one of i mean from ascl um have said you know it's a crumb of comfort and this level of additional funding is not going to be sufficient to solve the issue there is still pressure even with this extra money going in that is going to be persisting i i've what i found shocking about your story was that was that presumably, normally, local authorities are going to try and work with the with the schools in their area, mm. and that, and to be in a position where, because they, they they've already consulted, haven't they, their local schools forums about transferring this money, and the basic local schools forums have turned around and said no, and I think it just shows how how dysfunctional the systems become that that local authorities, you know, in the full knowledge that their schools can't can't shoulder it they're, 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 they're gonna have they're still applying to override it and it's just everybody's been put in this impossible situation where they have to look after their own responsibilities without looking at the at the wider picture I don't, I don't know if that was what you yeah yeah well exactly and, and in fact there were a further 15 schools um, uh, 15 authorities sorry 15 authorities where the schools form had actually agreed to the request to move more than 0.5 percent so they've you know they've got a kind of this limit that they can move below um, and so these schools are backing and saying yeah there isn't enough money for high needs in these areas even if we're going to have to go without so I mean it is a it is one of those things where it seems to be getting worse and worse mm. and then I know this week on Wednesday um, another um, threat to hard-pressed budgets in schools um, the Education and Skills Funding Agency a, a bit of the DfE wrote to schools telling them to, when they set their budgets, they should set aside money to cover a, probably a 2% pay rise for teachers from September. Um, something which I think heads haven't been particularly pleased about when they got that email. And we've seen, clearly this is a, a big political issue, um, school funding in general, so we had education questions in the Commons, and this week, it wasn't Labour or Lib Dems who were hammering about school funding. It was Conservative backbenchers really putting the pressure on their own ministers 
raising concerns about rural schools, about SEN funding, about school funding in general. Some saying their schools are having to take drastic measures just to stay afloat. What, what's, your, what's your reading of that? I mean, apart from the fact they're worried about, about yeah. their schools. It, it well, I wondered if actually Damien Hines might be secretly quite pleased that, that his backbenchers are putting pressure on him on school funding. Because with the big government spending review coming up, this means that Hines can go to the Treasury and say, look, we, we need more money from schools. It's not just me. It's, it's Tory backbenchers. It's our MPs who are worried about this. You know, that might strengthen his hand in those Treasury negotiations. Yeah. And uh, he, well, I was going to say he needs it at the moment, doesn't he? Because all that, all the kind of goodwill that he seemed to accumulate through through the recruit, recruitment and retention strategy. I mean, we, we had a column last week from Jeff Barton saying that it's 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 just been lost because because of what they've what they've done on pay, which seems to have seems to have got worse this, this week. It, it does, yeah. I mean, I think it's on on Wednesday. Um, schools got a rather unwelcome email from the um, Education and Skills Funding Agency, part of the DFE, which basically said, when you set your budgets for September, um, set aside some money to fund the um, pay rise for teachers. It said basically they think this two percent can be um, affordable without putting further pressure on school budgets. I think it's that like well, I mean, I, I think it's a reality of, of of what schools find themselves having to do, but also that language to suggest that they can do this without feeling any pressure on their budget is is um, going to throw some of them into in, into an absolute understandable rage I would have thought uh, absolutely I mean, um, I mean Jules White I think listeners will be familiar with from the, the Worthless campaign he's a senior head teacher it was, he said something like uh, the, the DfE must reside on Pluto yeah. know, while head teachers and schools live in the real world I mean, mm. it's, uh, I mean just for, for those of you not um, familiar with the, with the details of teacher pay just to put it in context already this year we've got, we've got the pay rise that teachers should be having at the moment which is supposed to be partly funded by the government and we've done a series of stories showing that a large percentage of teachers aren't getting that basically because schools can't afford it so it's a kind of national pay rise that they're expecting and now we're talking about next year's pay which the which the signs now are that the government isn't going to put any money into at all and that's two percent so it's kind of problems building on on problems really absolutely absolutely um i do wonder though um if there's a general election possibly rumoured for June, perhaps, um, I wonder if all these Tory MPs raising school funding now, if they're trying to you know, prepare themselves so that becomes a big issue, and again, whether that might force some movement from the Treasury so they don't get sort of caught unawares as they did two years ago. Well, it was an yeah. issue in the last, wasn't it? School funding did come up in the last election, yeah. Yeah, a lot more than people thought. Uh, yeah. Um, move on. Um, Helen, you've got a really interesting piece in the magazine today, and it's about silence. Yes, the sound or not. So was that strong silence or was that weak <laughs> silence, Helen? So uh, Helen Lees, who's a researcher and, and wrote the book Silence in Schools, came up with this idea of the concept of a strong and a weak silence. And it's really interesting because it is one of those things where everyone... It, it has such a dual kind of personality. Everyone will have had that experience where things are just too hectic, too noisy. You just want a peace. You want. You just want peace. Mm. As the as the the book. There's a children's book kind of. Uh, and um, but at the same time, then when you're kind of sitting there and people say you have to be quiet, it, it feels kind of like 
you know, it feels kind of painful to have to sit sort of in a, silence. A, oppressive you know, Yeah, oppressive. And you, yeah. you do kind of, I mean, everyone has this. You'll go, how many people will go running and you could listen to Birdsong, but you'll listen to your podcasts or, you know. Our podcast. Our, our podcast, of course. So, <laughs> so it has got that kind of dual nature. And in schools particularly, because really, I was speaking to Sue Cowley, who's kind of well-known teacher trainer, She's saying it's like the number one thing that people will say to us, how do you get the children to be quiet? Because you cannot learn anything unless you're being quiet. Now, I know, now, I mean, teachers have always wanted, you know, silence at particular times, but it's yeah. become a, a big issue in schools, the whole silent corridors. It's not a bad press, yes. hasn't it? It's, hasn't it's, yeah, it's in yeah. schools, it's that bad thing, but some people think. Yeah. Well, this is the thing where it, it kind of comes with this dual nature because you're like, well children how if they have to be silent in class they have to let off steam in the corridors mm. so and um, i spoke to um uh, to ral messon who's at hornchurch Heights, used to be albany school and um she introduced them and she got such a you know kind of pasting with some with people in the national media describing her as bizarre and <laughs> you know this strict regime and um but she was saying you know it's worked well and the students that i spoke to at the school um, say it had worked well and and her, the point and going back to what you're saying at the beginning about the strong side Helen Lees's point is it's all to do with kind of consent and what was interesting was it, um, she was saying this corridor thing you have to take into account the, the geography of the school it's not going to work in some schools in some situations but she had a school where they've got straight corridors the teachers can stand at the doorways <coughs> and watch the children and they're talking about kind of three two minutes or you know just a few kind of few minutes between lessons and the children were speaking at break and at lunchtime and things like this so and it's not just the consent of the children to be quiet but people who don't agree with it they would recognize that other people would have the right to that silence because it helps them to calm down it helps them prepare for lessons it helps them to go in to, to get into the frame of mind that they want well i think, I think so, you, you got val there talking about i mean it's children with anxiety problems or autism who actually have had real difficulties if you have a sort of a noisy chaotic corridor yeah she and she got she got across how a head in that position is is in a kind of impossible position because she was saying you know if if we called it quiet corridors then she wouldn't have got any media criticism nobody would have thought anything of it but she felt she was telling yeah. you that she felt the need to call it silent because if you just say quiet it doesn't work. You need, no, you need you're going to have arguments. Well, I am being quiet. I was just laughing. It. You know, yeah. I was just yeah. So you, it's to be kind of very clear about it. But just on that, on the special needs point, is that she was saying that that is that is a case, obviously, mm. you know. But she didn't want to kind of isolate to say, "Oh, well, we're doing it for the children with special educational needs," because she said it is wider than that. It will benefit everyone, and it was to do with more kind of equalising it for everybody. She wasn't kind of it had been risen and that was an advantage of it but it wasn't for that reason which I think is something that is that has been a criticism of it which she feels was a bit unfounded because it wasn't really done in that way it was kind of more of a whole school type of yeah I mean it, it is clearly a lot more nuanced than you know the, the Daily Mail headlines yes. or the sort of Twitter storms about authoritarian schools um, would, would suggest yeah and a lot of schools will do things and there's some examples here where they'll have like meditation practices or kind of periods of silence, which the children will, you know, uh, as well as adults might <laughs> might want to go and uh, have some time of, away. But, uh, you know, and how, how that can really kind of help benefit people and help their learning and help them. 
so no, they, they, so no, they loved it. The, the, in, in one of your examples, that the children loved it because it was a it was a real challenge to yes. stay quiet for that long. And, yeah. and, they, and rather than being an imposition, it was it was like it was a feat. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, lots there for everyone to think about and meditate on. Yeah, it's a great piece, yeah. really good. Yeah, well, um, let's leave it there, guys. Um, thanks very much, and um, speak again next week.